Amen. Thanks, Adam. Good afternoon, everybody. Whether you are new here, you've been coming here a while, or somewhere in the middle, we're delighted to have you. Welcome. My name is Gene. I'm one of the leaders here. And I was listening to the radio the other day. That's mainly how I get my news. And I heard a story about a couple and their son, Jack. Jack, at age three, decided that he was not happy being a boy anymore and that he was going to become a girl. And so the mom and eventually the dad conceded to their son's request. He became a girl. They changed his name from Jack to Jackie. They gave him dresses to wear, let his hair grow long. And they encouraged him to do girly things. Basically, anything that would justify Jack no longer being a boy, but instead being a girl. And all throughout the story, whenever the parents talked about their son, they would reference him as she, she, she. For me, this story was really hard to take in. I was saddened all throughout the story by the child's self-deception and and the parent's willing self-deception in this situation. The whole time I'm saying to myself, Jack is still a boy. No matter what they did to justify Jack as Jackie, their son was ultimately still their son. The justification was not sufficient. And then I was convicted myself because, man, I know I try to justify myself before the Lord all the time. Not in the same way that Jack did, but in other ways. At times, I consciously or subconsciously try to justify myself by my faithful quiet times in the morning or by how hard I work at my job, even by how I serve here at church. God, look at this. Pretty good, huh? I should be justified. And then I realize I'm sounding just as self-deceived as a little boy claiming to be a girl because he's doing girly things. Today we're going to talk about the evils of self-justification in Job chapter 34. If you have a church Bible, it is on page 281. We're going to consider wickedness and talk about how Job sounds a lot like a wicked man by justifying himself instead of justifying God. We've been praising Job a lot in this series, and we haven't touched on his weaknesses too much. Today is going to be a day of examining Job's errors. There are many aspects to wickedness. We're going to consider one. Consider the title at the top of your outline, Wicked Men Are Those Who Justify Themselves in Suffering. And for us, in the context of this chapter, all it means to justify yourself is to seek to prove that you are right. As we go through the text, we're going to see point one, Elihu, our speaker, says Job walks with wicked men. 
Point two, Elihu says God does not do wickedness. Elihu says God calls out wickedness. Elihu says God punishes the wicked. And closing up with Elihu says God answers like wicked men. One more thing to keep in mind before we dive in. Peter set us up with this well last week. All book long, Job and his friends have been saying, or rather, Job's friends have been saying to Job, you sinned and therefore you're suffering. Now Elihu has come along and he's saying something different. It sounds similar, but it's it's different. He seems to be saying, Job, since you started suffering, you started to sin. Last week, Peter covered some of the reasons why the author of Job appears to be giving Elihu favor with us, with the reader. If you're interested in that, I invite you, go check out his sermon on our church website. We're about to start. Let's pray and ask God for help. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to gather as a church body and seek you. Lord, would you bless our time and our effort here, seeking out your word. Teach us by your spirit and by your word how not to justify ourselves, but how to seek our justification and you in you and in your only son, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Okay. Let's look at our first point. Elihu says Job walks with wicked men. We're going to read the first nine chapters of, nine verses rather, of Job 34. Then Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men, and give ear to me, you who know. For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am in the right, and God has taken away my right. In spite of my right, I am counted a liar. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. This is Elihu again. What man is like Job, who drinks up scoffing like water, who travels in company with evildoers and walks with wicked men? For Job has said, It profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. What Elihu says here does not give Job a good review. First, he quotes Job and his supposed lack of sin. Verse 5, For Job has said, I am in the right. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. Elihu, unlike the three friends, is bringing evidence to the table. His evidence is Job claims to be in the right. Jump down to verse 7. Elihu says, What man is like Job, who travels in company with evildoers and walks with wicked men? Job with evildoers and wicked men? This seems to be different from the blameless label we've been given for Job earlier in the book. How should we interpret Elihu's words? How much credit should we give to them? 
Why does Elihu say Job is walking with the wicked? It tells us in verse 9, For or because Job has said it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. That sounds like something a wicked person would say. Elihu says Job walks with the wicked because he's saying things wicked men would say. It's not worth it to delight in God. Job has gone astray in his speech. We'll see later in the sermon, Job has been lessening God and raising himself up in self-justification, in his innocence. Job 32, verse 2. Elihu said last week, this will be important. Elihu burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. And we know Elihu's words should be considered because the author seems to be giving him favor over the three friends. And when the Lord comes on the scene in a couple chapters, he gets the same things, some of the same things that Elihu is getting at right now. So, how does this apply to you or me? Even if a young, angry Elihu comes your way and rebukes you, be willing to listen for truth in their rebuke. Have you ever had someone call you out on your sin and you walk away from it and you go, man, that hurts. And then you keep thinking about it, you mull it over in your head and it it keeps hurting. Most often, if that hurts, it is because there is truth in what they said. Maybe not everything they said, but some. Even if they didn't present it in the best, most gracious way, you can still, and I, can still take the truth from what they said and repent of our own sin before God. So, application, be willing to listen for truth in rebukes. Even if they come from young, angry Elihu's. Elihu says Job walks with wicked men by justifying himself in suffering. Let's move to point two. These next ones will be shorter. Point two, Elihu says God does not do wickedness. Let's read verses 10 through 15. Therefore, hear me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should do wrong. For according to the work of a man, he will repay him, and according to his ways, he will make it befall him. Of a truth, God will not do wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him charge over the earth, and who laid on him the whole world? If he should set his heart to it, and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust. Here, Elihu makes it very clear that God does not do wickedness. 
He says things like, Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should do wrong. For according to the work of a man, he will repay him. Of a truth, God will not do wickedly. The Almighty will not pervert justice. He's saying it's far from possible that God would do wickedness. In contrast to Job, who Elihu just said is walking with the wicked men, God is holy, God is pure, God is righteous. It is not in his character. It is not possible for God to do wickedness. Elihu beats the same drum six different ways. God does not do wickedness. What are the implications of this? Unlike Job, it is right for God to justify himself because he's righteous and holy. His self-justification is warranted because he doesn't do a lick of wickedness. Elihu works hard to justify God, whereas wicked men work hard to justify themselves. Let's move on to the, the next point. Elihu says God calls out wickedness. Verses 16 through 20. Elihu says, If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Shall one who hates justice govern? Will you condemn him who is righteous and mighty? Who says to a king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked man? Who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor, for they are all the works of his hands. In a moment, they die at midnight. The people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away by no human hand. We see from these verses that Elihu continues with this idea of God not doing wickedness. He says it differently, though. He says, Shall one who hates justice govern? Job, will you condemn him who is righteous and mighty? Elihu is saying God is a just governor. We also see from these verses that God, in his justice, calls out wicked men. Verse 18. God says to a king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked man. Elihu is saying, the Lord sees all. He knows what righteousness looks like. He knows what wickedness looks like. And he is just in calling some men what they are, wicked. If anyone has the right to make such a judgment, is it not the Lord? God calls out wickedness. How does this apply to us? A quick application in imaging God is just to call wickedness what it is. Don't water things down that are abominable to God. Call sex trafficking wicked. Call abortion wicked. Call adultery wicked. Maybe even closer to home. Call any sinful thoughts that you have wicked. Don't water it down. 
Don't say it's all right. Sin is wicked. Anytime you covet your neighbor's car and you say, ooh, I want that one because you're not content with what you have, anytime you have a lustful thought, even for two seconds, that's wickedness. That is not holiness. God is holy. And God is not okay with wickedness. Even a sliver. Sometimes I find myself justifying sins, saying, ah, it's not that bad. This is one of the smaller ones. Not true. Sin is wicked. We need to drop sin like dynamite and run to our holy God. Honor the Lord and call wickedness what it is. So in closing, for this point, God calls out wickedness. And God is going to call Job out in a couple chapters for the wickedness he has allowed to seep into his blameless character. Next point. Elihu says, God punishes the wicked. Are you picking up on the theme here? Wickedness. Verse 21. For he... His eyes are on the ways of man. This is Elihu. And he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. For God has no need to consider a man further, that he should go before God in judgment. God shatters the mighty without investigation and sets others in their place. Thus, knowing their works, he overturns them in the night and they are crushed. He strikes them for their wickedness in a place for all to see because they have turned aside from following him and had no regard for any of his ways so that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him. And he heard the cry of the afflicted. Along similar lines to the last point, this text tells us that God governs and knows all. Here, the Lord sees everything that happens under the sun. The text says, His eyes are on the ways of man. He sees all his steps. Evildoers can't hide themselves. He shatters the mighty without investigation and sets others in their place. God sees the righteous and the wicked. All their deeds, all their misdeeds, all the mighty, all the evildoers. There is no place or thing that the Lord does not see. And what does it say God does in response to seeing all of this? Elihu says, God punishes the wicked for their actions. Verse 25. Thus, knowing their works, he overturns them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes them for their, their wickedness in a place for all to see. The wicked turned aside and paid God no regard. And God strikes them. God, not being wicked, cannot tolerate wickedness. And so he unleashes his punishment on wicked people. Let's zoom out for a second. Why is Elihu saying this to Job right now? We know that the Lord says Job is a blameless man. 
We also know that Elihu is not a big fan of Job justifying himself. Could it be that Elihu is warning Job of what he's doing? Job, since you began suffering, you began acting like a wicked person. You began sinning by justifying yourself. You forsook your blamelessness, and now you're starting to walk with the wicked people. Remember what happens to the wicked? God does not do wickedness, Job. God sees and he calls out wickedness. God punishes the wicked. Therefore, Job, God will punish you if you continue in your self-justification. This is a good segue to our last point about Job answering wicked like wicked men. Job answers like wicked men by justifying himself. Elihu is prepping Job for the righteous roughing up he's going to get from God in a couple chapters here. So, in summary, God will punish wickedness like men who justify themselves in suffering. Our last point is what we've been working to this whole time. Job's self-justification. Elihu says, Job answers like wicked men. Let's read the last four chapter verses of the chapter. Starting at 34. Men of understanding will say to me, and the wise men who hears me will say, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. Would that Job were tried to the end because he answers like wicked men. For he add rebellion, adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Elihu claims that Job sounds a lot like a wicked man. Would that Job were tried to the end because he answers like wicked men. We know that Elihu is burning at Job here. But where do we see Elihu's evidence against Job? I mentioned that he's bringing evidence unlike the three friends. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. I am in the right... In spite of my right, I am counted a liar. Elihu quotes Job. I am without transgression. So Job, again and again, justifies himself. And it infuriates Elihu. We also saw Elihu picking up on this last week. Elihu says to Job, You say, I am pure, without transgression. I am clean, and there is no iniquity in me. Out of everything that Job says, Elihu chooses to highlight the areas where Job justifies himself. And we have heard Job say such things, have we not? Think about the whole book. Let me remind you of a couple. Chapter 9, Job says, I am blameless. Chapter 10, Job, these are all Job. God, you know that I am not guilty. Chapter 12, 
I am a laughingstock to my friends. A just and blameless man am a laughingstock. Chapter 13. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. Chapter 16. There is no violence in my hands, and my prayer is pure. Chapter 27. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Chapter 29. I will put on righteousness, and it clothed... I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. So Job, again and again, has been justifying himself. He has been clinging to his purity, that he is in the right. And this brings us to the narrative that Peter spoke on last week. And this is very important because it's a narrative. Chapter 32, verse 1. So the three friends ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. And then immediately following that is our kind of our anchor verse for today. Elihu burns with anger at Job because he justifies himself rather than God. What do we take away from all of this? Is Elihu right? Has Job been too self-confident? Is Job right in justifying himself? God said he is a blameless man. Let's consider what the Lord does in a couple chapters. Tiny sneak peek. I'm not going to I'm not going to take it. When the Lord comes on the scene in chapter 38, he is not nicey nicey to Job. God roughs Job up. He doesn't put Job in the same category as the three friends, but he asks some hard questions and he hammers him with truth until Job repents. I want to quote some of what God says, but I'll let Tom do that in a couple of weeks. So the evidence of the book is leaning heavily on God's standing against Elihu, Job's self-justification. Elihu is on the track with to discover the thing that God has a problem with, self-justification. Elihu, similar to John the Baptist for Christ, is preparing the way for God to come on the scene. Let's step, step back one more time. Elihu is going pretty hard on Job. And just to keep it in front of us, Job is a man who follows God. He's a man who gets commended by God, both at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book. So I don't think the text is telling us that Job is a wicked man. Rather, that he is sounding a lot like one since he began suffering. So, given all of this, Job's justifying himself rather than God is a problem. It's where Job errors. Instead of saying, I am blameless, I justify myself, Job should be saying, God is blameless. And he's justified in doing whatever he wants with me and with my life. 
Let's consider the greater Job. Let's talk about Jesus. Where Job falls short, Jesus passes with flying colors. Where Job justified himself instead of justifying God, Jesus refused to justify himself and instead justified God. The crazy part is, Jesus could have justified himself, right? Think about him on trial, being falsely accused. He could have legitimately said, I have done nothing wrong, release me. Instead, he chooses to remain silent and take it. Instead, he chose to justify his Father in heaven and his Father's plan for salvation. He chose to say, not my will, but yours be done, Father. I want to justify you. By choosing to justify his Father instead of himself, he took the place of sinners on the cross that we might legitimately be justified by Christ's righteous record in front of God. Job justified himself where he shouldn't have. And Jesus chose not to justify himself so that he would die, that he would rise from the dead in order that anyone who believes in him would be saved and have eternal life. So, application for you, don't find justification in yourself. That will end in everlasting punishment and death in hell. Find your justification in the perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. So, to close, I have two applications for you to consider. One, when others justify themselves, it may be appropriate to call them out. Elihu, though he is younger, calls Job out for justifying himself. And you know, we, we don't have evidence that Elihu does it perfectly. But he does it. And the text should lead you to consider doing the same. When you have a Christian brother or sister seeking to justify themselves by what they've done or by what they've avoided doing, and you have a, a relationship built with this person, it may be appropriate to call them out. You could ask them questions like, you seem to be pretty sure of yourself. Let's step back here. Right now, are you placing your confidence in yourself or in Jesus Christ? My friend, why would you cling to your own justification when you've been freely given this gift? You've been freely given a perfect, spotless justification in Jesus. Why pridefully cling to anything else a second application is to whenever and wherever you can justify God instead of justifying yourself praise God instead of praising yourself at work just recently actually I had a work project that I did a deadline for and I finished part of it. I didn't finish all of it. 
and I found my, myself, my immediate reaction was to justify myself and to come up with reasoning why it wasn't done fully. And after walking away from that, I realized, you know, over the next couple hours that, man, I just need to repent of what I did wrong, of where I could have done better, use my time better to actually get the thing done by the deadline. I need to repent of my self-justification and trust in Christ. The only thing that you and I have to stand on at Judgment Day is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing. Where you have sinned, He's covered you if you are a Christian. All that about the wicked, God smashing the wicked, if you've got Jesus, God's not going to smash you. Where you have done well, God is justified in His work in you. In closing, when you do well and honor God, like Job, follow Luke 17 and embrace the mentality, I am an unworthy servant. I have only done what was my duty. And the grace and the justification giving, given me is solely from my Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you are such a good and gracious God. You have full right, you had full right to smite us in our wickedness, and yet you gave us a Savior. You gave us a perfect, spotless righteousness in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us not to try to find justification in ourselves, in what we do and what we don't do, but rather to repent of our sin, praise you for the good in our lives, and trust in Jesus for our justification. We love you, and we praise you for giving us Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.